0: everybody, welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. We are 100% sponsor-based, which means that all the revenues we derive come from sponsorships. But I try to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with specifically trying to choose those who have values well aligned to the values expressed on this show, like freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do is a few ad reads right here at the top of the show and then a few ad ad reads in the middle. And I hope you won't skip them. I hope you'll take the time, listen, and see what they have to offer because again, these are hand-selected sponsors. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Swan Private is a concierge financial services firm based in Los Angeles. Now, I've known the Swan team for years, and these guys are laser focused on the Bitcoin mission. They even have a zero tolerance policy for all shitcoin. Recently, their CEO, Corey Clipston, was instrumental in calling out many of these crypto scams right before they collapsed, saving a lot of people a lot of money in the process. Swan Private focuses on guiding high-net-worth individuals and businesses on all aspects of Bitcoin strategy, including buying, custodying, and market research. This concierge service provides you direct access to a private advisor by text, phone, or email. So go to swanprivate.com/breedlove today to sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Leden. Leden lets you do more with your digital assets. For instance, Ledin offers a B2X loan product that lets you leverage your existing Bitcoin to buy even more Bitcoin. Or you can also get traditional Bitcoin collateralized US dollar loans through Leden as well. Ledin also offers both Bitcoin and USDC denominated savings accounts, letting you generate yield on your digital assets. Recently, Leden has launched a Bitcoin mortgage product as well that lets you use Bitcoin to buy a home or finance one that you already own. So go to ledin.io, that's L-E-D-N nio today to sign up.
1: Obi Nwosu, welcome back to the What Is Money show. Robert Breedlove, lovely to be back. Glad to have you here.
0: Um, as we were just saying offline, uh, I think we left off last time just getting into the conversation about Fediment. And as I have here, my notes Fediment is a privacy preserving custody system, which is a federated system of guardians. And uh, I have multi-sig plus show me an eCash plus lightning network. Can you help us understand exactly what Fediment is and what it
1: is comprised of? Okay, well, I'll, I'll answer that in different layers. So first of all, um, at the sort of most philosophical layer, um, Fediment is the missing piece of the Bitcoin open source ecosystem. It's, it's the thing that completes it. It's uh, Jerry Maguire's um, um, René Zellweger, effectively. So you have at the base, you've got Bitcoin, the Bitcoin protocol, which is your hard money. It's your store of value, your, your meritocratic money. And um, on top of that, we have the Lightning Network, the Lightning Protocol, which takes that Bitcoin and allows you to send it around from person to person at lightning speed at low cost with enhanced privacy. But the missing piece and what Freddie Mac provides you is a way of custodying that Bitcoin with enhanced security, incredibly, incredible privacy, and also extensibility, something that we haven't talked about much, but is actually a core part of um, Fediment as well. So it can be extended with extra federated finance features. Think of it as Fedify as well. So when you add those together, um, and it works very well with Lightning, and in fact, it, it, it improves with Lightning, and Lightning works very well with Fediment, in fact, Fediment can help scale Lightning. So they work very, very well with each other. So when you add it all together, you have a way of holding your money at rest with privacy, spending it with enhanced privacy through Lightning, um, extending features and functionality through Fediment, um, sending the money around at low cost through Lightning as well, and all backed by and working closely with Bitcoin at the base. So that's that's it in terms of where it fits within the Bitcoin ecosystem. And if we look into Fediment itself, how does it do this? Fediment is a form of federated um, application server. So it can take any application that would normally only run by a single person or a single process, but then split it up so that it can be run by a number of people federation such that as long as the majority of them are honest and running it will keep on operating correctly and in fact even if a minority a significant minority of them are honest it will prevent um a small majority of them um, subverting the process and forcing it to do something you don't want so i.e., it gives you a much greater level of bad actor protection um if you but it's able to run any process pretty much any process in theory that could run normally on one machine but you can federate it to reduce your um, reliance on a bad actor so it gives you in, enhanced censorship resistance not as much as a fully decentralized network like bitcoin but far more than a centralized service such as running it on an exchange so that's what the federation applies now why would you there is an overhead to do that it's it's, you can imagine just like the Bitcoin network at the extreme is, it has a massive overhead to provide that level of decentralization, federations are somewhere in the middle. There is significant overheads compared to just running on one machine, um, running in the federation. So why would you want to do that? There are very few processes you want to purposely increase the overhead of running it for um, increased bad actor protection. And they come down to financial services. So holding your money. MultiSig Bitcoin MultiSig is one of the first functionality that we that comes as standard with a Fedimint federation. Um, maintaining um, cryptographically near perfect privacy, we use the protocol called Charming eCash, which was invented by David Chaum in 1983. In fact, next year will be its 40th anniversary. It's considered catnip to to cryptographers. Uh, it provides near cryptographically perfect privacy, but until The use of um, Bitcoin and and federations, it had one weakness, which it relied on one bank, a single actor, but the federation, again, allows you to federate that single actor. So you now rely on a a community of trusted guardians and also um, federations and fediments are not dealing normally with payments between people anywhere in the world. So it provides a module for a federated access to the Lightning Network. Um, And so it works very well uh, with Lightning nodes and the rest of the Lightning network. So those three things come as standard with FedEvent. Custodying your Bitcoin, maintaining cryptographically perfect privacy, and interacting with the Lightning network. You can extend it with other features, and many people are looking to work on that in the future. But by default, that gives you the minimum you need to custody in a community context. And then the last bit that's really important is, just like Bitcoin is a combination of technology and also game theory, a, a human aspect, the same is true with um, Bitcoin and with Empediment. The technology we've explained, but just as important is the context. It's, we recommend it's used in. So you have it's recommended that you use this for community custody. This is what we call communal second party custody. So a community comes together. Um, they have a requirement to, like everybody in the world, the community and, and the members of the community of the crime to hold money, to transfer money, to interact, to, to perform commerce. And this is the, the, an essential step to improving and enriching and, and bettering the lives of the people in that community. So they come together. Instead of relying on a third party, a stranger, who is incentivized by money, and we all know with recent events that can end badly. Giving money to someone who's incentivized by money, um, you, the community comes together, determines the most trustworthy, um, the most high integrity, the most community service oriented members of that community to act as guardians on behalf of the community, uh, with some small level of technical um, skill, but not very much. They have to be the same level of skill needed to run, to operate a set top box for a for a uh, for a cable television program but so non-zero level of technical skill. So they, these guardians are then um, chosen to run the Fediment software. They form a federation, which will then run in a federated manner, the multi-sig for the community, the charming eCash cash um, protocol to, to provide privacy for the community and the Lightning um, interface protocol to provide connectivity to the Lightning network. On behalf of the community so effectively the community comes together to custody bitcoin on the half behalf of the community to empower the community without relying on anyone outside of that community it's like be your a be your community's bank as opposed to be your own bank
0: so that i mean would that be then like the historical corollary to this is like a communal banking model but then somehow facilitated by better software right you get more privacy
1: uh, civil mm. custody, et cetera. That's That's um, very much the case. Um, and this is not even historical. In the West, it's more historical, although we still have community banking. But in the global South, it is still an everyday, very, very common occurrence. Um, and actually in post-Soviet regions, people are living under the yoke of authoritarian regimes and dictatorships. So if you take either of those two groups, the global South is more than half the world. People living, if you split the world in a separate way, people who are not living in democracies, people who are living under the yoke of authoritarian regimes and dictatorships, again, that's more than half the world. And combined, the two thirds of the world, people living in a more affluent parts of the world, which are democracies, are the minority. We are the edge case. So for the normal case of the world, um, you either have no banking, like if we, uh, that we would consider reasonable bank levels of banking, or you have banking, but you cannot trust your banking. So for example, if you're in a authoritarian regime, we have stories of people receiving money from their normal bank accounts. KYC goes along with that. Um, the recipient is in a country under the yoke of an authoritarian regime or dictator, and they get arrested because the source is not, it's the source of a, of a person who's identified as um, having sympathies with the opposition to, to the, um, the dictator. So they get arrested, they get imprisoned, sometimes killed. So they, they have banking, but they cannot trust it. Um, um, although they may be relatively affluent as a country. And then other parts of the world where they just don't have banking. Um, in, in these scenarios, they have to rely upon their community. And so um, communal forms of banking are alive and strong. There are names um, such as, um, in Kenya, I, I've seen these things called Sakos, and that's where communities, villages come together. They cannot get loans from normal banks, so they have to um, store, they, they give one person the task of taking, collecting a small amount of money from um, different people in a village or a town or, or, a, or even a small city, and then that's collected And then they do different things with it depending on the country depending on the situation sometimes they store it and give it to one person at the end of each month and a different person each month sometimes they just create a pool and then they lend out effectively to other people other people within the community and provide interest that goes back into the pool sometimes it acts as an insurance fund sometimes it acts as um, a fund to underwrite people's loans so then the person goes back to a bank where they normally can't get a loan but then they can show that this um, community fund has got a certain amount of capital in it and the community as a whole underwrites the loan on behalf of the individual. And because it's underwritten by this pool of money, the individual is able to get a much more affordable uh, set of terms for their loan from an external party. And there's everything in between. Um, you also have systems like Hawala, which are systems for money transmission but, but rely on communities as well. So. If you look in the Middle East, in Southeast Asia, in Latin America, um, in Africa, these are prevalent in pretty much every country. And it's the norm, but the problem is because they're manual processes, they rely on a single person that you trust. And also you don't have privacy um, because the people know who's being paid and, and what, etc. And privacy is important, especially when we, we um, reach global scale uh, right now. Um, we have um three or four as of the the implosion of one of the largest exchanges three or four exchanges with well over 90%, 90 percent 90 95 percent of all volume traded on them and a large percentage of all users custodying with them and if this we allow this to scale we're going to get to a world of eight billion people with accounts where, where 90 to 95 percent will have accounts on half a dozen exchanges we worry about cbdc's with countries with populations of 100 million or there will be these private enterprises which are effectively oligarchies structurally most companies are oligarchies run by one person with absolute control or at best uh, um, um, a few people like a board Um, will have full visibility on people's holding people's balances full visibility on their payments full visibility on their trades if they add cards and and so on and so forth, they have full visibility. Um, That's an Orwellian nightmare. Um, And so at scale, we need privacy. But even today, um, in a community context, in a local community context, privacy is even more important. Uh, Even within the smaller and more close in the community, the more important it is for you to have financial privacy. You might have, for example, um, lost your job or have, have some sensitive news some, that you don't want to share with relatives or family. You know, you might you might have things that you're you, you trying to work out you, you want to buy things or to, to test, to make some tests or whatever it may be. Um, and having privacy from your next door neighbors and your family and your brothers and sisters is, is really, really important. So in a community context, you have to by default have perfect privacy if you can so it's essential to have it from the get-go
0: interesting so I like a lot of things here so Fetty I think this is how you said it is the completion of the Bitcoin open source tech stack um yeah it's sorry go ahead no no that's correct that's correct okay so that's really interesting and then I like the perspective you gave on increasing the cost of overhead to disincentivize honest dishonesty because that's, I mean, that's kind of what—that's another framing for Bitcoin. Yeah. It's, it's all this redundancy, but it's really just there to disincentivize dis- dishonesty, such that we get uh, everyone adhering to the 21 million hard cap, for instance. So that's, that's an interesting perspective on the game theory of Bitcoin. Now, you mentioned obtaining near perfect privacy. I guess you might say in this new model. And I in my notes here I have the Las Vegas example. I don't know if those two things are related.
1: Um, They're they're related. Um, So uh, um, many of your listeners may be aware that transactions on the Bitcoin main chain are not perfectly private. There is the very fact that you want to maintain auditability to know that the uh, one of its most important features of the twenty-one million cap has not been busted, has not been broken, requires you to maintain certain information on balances being held in different UTXOs and being able to add those up to make sure um, they are what they're supposed to be. When transactions happen, um, to send value from one person to another, you want to be able to ensure that no money has been printed by some nefarious um, bad actor. Um, but this requires a level of traceability. And people are looking at ways of reducing this. Um, there are zero-knowledge proofs, um, confidential transactions, but there's still a level of traceability because you still see where the movements of money, you just don't see the amounts, for example. Um, and um, perfect privacy and perfect auditability um, are sort of in conflict with each other. So about the base layer, out of the two, um, it the way it's structured, the the code has has prioritized auditability over perfect privacy. Um, But at at higher layers, um, when you have a a trusted community where you know that you, where you can can make the assumption that we can optimize our system for perfect privacy, but by definition, if you have perfect privacy, then you lose auditability because if it's perfect privacy, you don't know the balances of people. We also don't know who has paid as the operator of this or someone viewing the network, as it were, you don't know who has paid what. So you don't know what transactions have occurred. And also you don't know how many users you have. If these are all pieces of information, if you have perfect privacy, then it shouldn't be possible to know that I'm a member of the federation or not. Therefore the federation shouldn't know whether they have free users. Or three billion users, they cannot know, and then um, they shouldn't know who is paid whom, and um, because I want to be able to, I want to have privacy of my transactions, and they shouldn't know what balances are held by whom. They know overall that this, just by looking at the amount of Bitcoin held with them, the total amount of Bitcoin, but they cannot know how it's dif- um, distributed amongst which users and when those distributions happened. If you have all those three elements, then you have. Um, near perfect privacy. Um, there's always ways in which users can dox um, themselves or reduce their privacy. They can go in front of all the guardians, say, hey guys, I'm doing a transaction now and look at that, me doing a transaction. And that's actually not the network itself doxing you, but it is possible for you to intentionally or um, dox yourself. But if you're in the street and you make a payment from within the Fediment app, to someone else within the Fediment ecosystem. Um, um, just to give you a background, when you deposit Bitcoin into the system, it goes into this federated multi-sig wallets run by the fediment uh, federation. But then they issue as a federation in a federated manner, um, i.e. not trusting any single guardian, but as a whole, they issue an equal number of e-cash tokens, charming e-cash tokens. And these are, um, tokens which are indistinguishable um, they're issued in a way which means they're indistinguishable from um, from one another you could have issued a token a second ago and then someone asks to redeem a token a second later and you have no idea if it was one you issued a year ago or the one you just issued there's no way to to determine the difference because when you sign it to say it's valid you it's a blinded signature uh, you, you don't know what you're signing so when it comes back to you after the uh, like bl- it's been unblinded you don't know if it was the one you signed a second ago or a year ago. So there's no way for you, you to know that. So these eCash tokens are bearer instruments in the in the naive um, sort of um, common sense understanding of the word, i.e. you have a token per coin. So, for example, if you had, let's say you had um, 10, 10 um, points five one units. So if it was in dollars, ten dollars fifty one or uh, for example, just for simplicity, 10, 10.51 10, units of of these tokens. And that could be 10.51 Bitcoin, for example. Um if I wanted to pay someone um one dollar and um one dollar eleven, um I don't send them a transaction for one dollar eleven. I send them I will send them I'll have a number of e cash tokens of different denominations. So I would have ten one dollar or one dollar e cash tokens, um, five ten cent e cash tokens and one one cent e cash token. So if I want to send you one dollars eleven, I would literally send you a one dollar token. I would send you a ten cent token, e cash token, and I'll send you a one cent e cash token. The same way you would do with cash if you had, $10.51 in your purse or wallet. It was 10, 10, 5, 10 $1 notes, um, 5 10 cents notes, and 1 1, one cent note And if you wanted to give someone $1.11, you would give them a, a $1 note, a 10 cents note, and a 1 cents note. It's exactly the same. But instead of it being um, coins you're sending, you're sending um, different files, each one representing a, a physical piece of cash. Um, and as such, it's, uh, it's this bearer instrument that can be sent around from one person to another directly without going through the guardians. Once they're created, you can pass them around like eCash. Um, in fact, um, this allows us in a community context to do some very interesting things. So one of the things that we are, are going to be adding or showing in the future is the ability for limited periods of time to make transactions without an internet connection because you can send it directly these e-cash tokens within a community even if you lose internet you can still send the tokens for example if you qr codes from one person to another um, because they are bearer instruments so that's very useful if the internet's gone down or if you're underground and you need to send send money from one person to the other as long as you're part of the same community if you want to make a lightning payment to someone the other side of the world you won't be able to because you have no internet, but guess what? You have no internet, so you, you won't be able to anyway. Um, but if you're locally, if you're local in El Zonte um, and the internet has just gone down, but you want to buy something by the side of the road, you could still send show a, an animated QR code with the displaying all the different eCash tokens and the other person can scan and receive that. Now, there is a risk when the internet goes back up of double spend risk, but The likelihood that the merchant or the seller on the side of the road who's all part of the same community um so you'll know you'll still know when you receive the tokens as the receiver and who you received it from the likelihood that the sender in that context is going to take the code decompile it patch the code recompile the apk and then make the payments so that they can double spend a few cents or a few dollars and in the full knowledge that they have proof of, of punishability because they are part of a the community. They, the community can ostracize them or they can do, they can walk up to them and punch them in the nose. Proof of being able to be walked up to being punched on the nose ability, is, is the, which is possible within a community, um, which is not possible if you're buying something on the other side of the world from a stranger. It, it is very possible compared to the cost. It means that actually for limited periods of time, no internet doesn't stop you transacting and these are all possible because of this bearer instrument And there are many many other really exciting features that are possible when you recognize that you're working in a community context and that gives you superpowers that you don't have in other contexts
0: that's super interesting uh, the basically they have skin in the game still as part of these communities so that prevents them or hopefully
1: disincentivizes bad behavior uh, yeah. that's a good point there so it disincentivizes it disincentivizes yeah
0: now i'd like to tell you about our sponsor crowd health crowd health is a bitcoin enabled alternative to legacy health insurance now let's face it legacy health insurance is an absolute scam nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian chris rock
1: insurance you got to have some insurance you got to. That's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. and I give a company some money in case shit happens.
0: Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> so, with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. Wasabi lets you use Bitcoin privately while still maintaining full control over your money. Specifically, Wasabi Wallet is an open source, non-custodial wallet with privacy built in by default. By using Wasabi, you're effectively putting the private back in private property. Wasabi Wallet is an easy-to-use privacy wallet that can support any amount of Bitcoin transactions. So, go to wasabiwallet.io today to download this state-of-the-art wallet software. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Masterworks. Masterworks gives you access to the fine art market at more affordable price points. They do this by offering you fractional shares in their $500 million portfolio of fine art. Now fine art is an alternative asset class and historically it's been a great performer and a really good hedge against inflation. Most investors typically hold anywhere from two to 10% of their assets in an asset like fine art. To sign up or learn more, go to masterworks.com and use promo code breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor Casa. CASA makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, CASA provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy In case you lose one of the keys it's also the best way to secure your bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes so go to keys.casa that's c-a-s-a today to sign up and use discount code breedlove this trade-off relationship that exists between auditability and privacy this is something i think a lot of people struggle to get their head around in bitcoin because they don't understand why Bitcoin isn't private at layer one, right? Something like Monero or any of these other privacy coins. But it's you do have this trade-off, right? You have to optimize for supply integrity or auditability, which requires a certain degree of information being shared. But that that the trade-off to that obviously is privacy. So I guess it's layers two and above where we seek to add real privacy to Bitcoin. I and mean, it sounds like Fediman's a big, a big step in that that direction. And then these <clears throat> Chomian eCash tokens, I think is what you called them. They're basically fully fungible bearer assets. So
1: are these like, uh, fully fungible bearer assets within the context of, of, of the federation community, within... but, uh, but they, they cannot be used outside of
0: the community. Got it. So the Bitcoin that's being used to fund, uh, I, I guess to, to mint those Chomian eCash tokens, that Bitcoin is then just staked inside the software or held inside the software? How does that, how do we, how do you know the yes. point so, uh, circulation,
1: I guess? Um, yes, so what happens is, um, remember the Fedimint run multiple applications and it comes a standard with free uh, a multi-sig Bitcoin wallet application that's run collectively amongst the guardians, what we call the guardians, the people running the Fedimint software, a Charming eCache um, um, system that can mint Charming eCash based on certain rules and destroy it based on certain rules. Um, and then the Lightning um, interface that effectively can emulate um, aspects of the Lightning network um, so that Lightning nodes connecting to anyone, any one of the users of the Fedimint uh, can feel like they're operating with the Lightning Network, even though they're not. So it sort of stimulates the Lightning Network for, for, Lightning, for Lightning nodes to connect to and interact with, the, with users of the Fediment. In the case of money coming in, let's say um, someone wants to deposit on the main chain um, a certain amount of Bitcoin and be credited eCash. Well, they deposit the Federation of Guardians are running the multi-sig wallet, an API call is made effectively to to receive a an address um, to to send money to um, uh, uh, to send bitcoin being the money to um, Bitcoin is sent into that address. once it's had a number of confirmations, so we're comfortable it's it's uh, a rollback is unlikely. Um, this triggers um, another uh, the chamini cash operation to to mint. Um, a certain, an equivalent number of e-cash tokens. So if the the value of them was, you know, let's say there was 1,200 SATs, it might print one one 1,000 SAT e-cash token and two um, 100 SAT e-cash tokens. Um, And then it will place them temporarily in in an account. This um, effectively waiting for um someone to connect to that account with a secret that secret would have been um, determined at the point of depositing the bitcoin address so only the person depositing the bitcoin address would be aware of that secret that same person will then come back with the secret saying look i have the secret please give me the amount in this account and then they would send to that user um, the amount in that account so they wouldn't know who the user was they just know that it must it's, it must be the same person because they they know the secret that was given as, at the point of depositing the Bitcoin and the same person is now, or someone is coming up with a secret. It doesn't actually have to be the same person, but just like with other cryptographic and hashes and so on, the chance that someone could guess that secret is is infeasibly small. And so it's it's likely to be the same person or someone else who that person knowingly gave the secret to um but someone would be able to collect that so that's what would happen when um you deposit and when you withdraw someone with an ecash token will send it to the federation with information saying where um where I'd like the related bitcoin to be sent to um and the cash t- the the federation again um would use the, would um process the um would check the um tokens coming in using the federated Chamia Mint to make sure they were signed by um, the multi-sig, that that the multi-sig details that the Federation was responsible for. So they can say, okay, all these eCash tokens are valid, destroy those eCash tokens, and then take the equivalent amount of Bitcoin and send it onto the address that the instructions provided. Yeah, so that's how Bitcoin main chain would come in and out. Um, Now, I think behind your question was what's to prevent them just because they're perfectly private, what's to prevent someone just sending in a different set of e-cash tokens creating a different set of e-cash tokens and um, withdrawing out Bitcoin or just simply withdrawing out Bitcoin and not redeeming any e-cash tokens leaving the ext- uh, leaving the fediment, um with a fractional reserve, i.e less bitcoin than the amount and the um the only thing stopping that is the decision on on the two things one is the fact that it works in a federated manner so you need you need to have a, i'll give you an example let's say there are um, seven guardians and you have a a five of seven multi-sig or five of seven federation setup that means it needs five of them to be to work together to sign a transaction, um, or five of them to work together to mint a transaction. So this gives you two levels of protection. As long as five, five or more of them are running, the system will run. So it, 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 has, um, it has protection from being stopped, um, censored, effectively. It has censorship protection of two. So if one goes down, like the machine fails, it needs to be restarted or just completely stops, you would still be able to keep ticking and going on. If two goes down, you'll still be able to keep ticking. So it can support in that scenario, two people, um, stopping, and it can still continue to operate, continue to process transactions. If three or more go down, it can no longer process transactions. The transactions will be stuck there until some of them go back online. But even if three go offline or even if four which is now a majority of the seven people go uh, offline, if they become bad actors, four people become bad actors, they still cannot, they can censor, they can, they can cause at the The, blo- the uh, not the blockchain, but the Fed meant to stop processing um, withdrawals, deposits, but they cannot send the money to addresses that they do not want to. They cannot um, print um, tokens out of thin air because you need at least five. So you would have to get to a point where at least five of these seven um, members of the community um, became bad actors at the same time, within within um, minutes of each other, um, before you could prevent, before they can actively print, um, actively perform any application or um, run any application within the fediment. In this case, the relevant ones would be the eCash token minting and destruction um, code, or the multi- the, the Bitcoin multi code. They before they could actually effectively um, um, leads to something that was a fractional reserve bank. And now, um, this is so that's the first thing. Just technically, that gives you a level of um, protection against censorship and protection against bad actors. That's an even greater level of protection against bad actors subverting the network however um there's the other parts and this is the social aspect is really important um w- we recommend that 30 minutes are used in a community context so it's a community where people have um shared interests goals knowledge of each other and they come together and choose the people who've acted who have um three things in common one proof of integrity, they've acted with integrity um, through the lived in experience, uh, to the most level of integrity, the lived in experience of people within their community, um, so They've proof of um, community service, they've been community service oriented, they've always thought about what's best for the community, and they've acted in that, and in proof of passion for the community, they're just, they're passionate about the community, they, they care about the community. So, if you if you solve for those free, and you use the wisdom of the community to locate the the, the people who who are best fit that profile, um, the belief is that the, the, the that the the inference is that the the likelihood that they will then um, change their character of a lifetime, the majority of them, within a few minutes of each other, is um, is uh, is. I, for me personally, there is obviously a risk, but if I had to choose between that and the, the alternative, which is a third party custodial exchange run by a stranger somewhere, probably on the other side of the world, who has no interest in me other than as a as a profit center, and I am just a, a statistic on a computer, um, and their sole interest is to try and extract as much money from me as possible and I'm entrusting them with my money because of flashy advertising and so on. Out of the two, the one I have proof of punishability with and the one I do not, the one who cares about me and has acted through their, my lived-in experience with, and the experience of my community with integrity, and I need, and a quorum of them will have to change that versus a single person who I have no idea what their level of integrity is. And maybe just the regulation is just keeping them from their own, animalistic uh, selfish instinct i know which one i would choose and but everybody's obviously up to make their own choice now the other option is first party custody and that is the gold standard that's the bitcoin standard but um the challenge with first party custody is threefold one there is a cost overhead when you have 30-minute community custody the cost of running this is amortized across the community so if it's a thousand people then, and you have five, four or five guardians, then you're amortizing across, across 1,000, 2,000 people. So it becomes a lot less expensive on per person on average, whereas if it's first-party cost, you have to bear that cost yourself. So the risk is you therefore underspend on it so you don't do it properly, or it's just a cost which then limits how much, how affordable it is. If you've only got 100 Bitcoin, a uh, hundred sorry, hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, not a hundred Bitcoin. You should have custody if you have a hundred Bitcoin, probably. But if you have got a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, it probably doesn't make sense to buy free, free hardware wallets and steel cards and so on, which cost you, you know, three, four hundred dollars to do it. It doesn't make sense. It probably makes sense to use the three, four hundred dollars to buy more Bitcoin. Um, but if you have got 10,000, 20,000, you might want to start thinking about it. That's the second challenge is, um, technical complexity it's getting easier and easier all the time but um, not everybody's technically minded and even things that are relatively simple that's why i say in my world when we're talking about eight billion users even operating a set top box for many hundreds of millions of people um, could be considered technically daunting so um, for many people the task of operating a hardware wallet or hardware wallet or or their own software wallets may be technically uncomfortable. So that's the second set of criteria. You have to be above a certain level of technical acumen. Um, uh, in, in the Bitcoin space, many people are highly technically um, 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 comfortable, so they don't recognize that there's many people who find it very difficult to do things that we take for granted. And then the final thing is fear. You know, This is something that, again, we have to work on um, as, a, as a community, but a very large percentage, and, I, and this is something that shocked me, but I came to understand as running an exchange, have been um, taught, um, and a whole society has made us afraid of being able to manage our own money. And sometimes it's rightful. some people are very clumsy and so on, and it's just their nature, and um, they they feel that they will lose the money if they were asked to look after it themselves. Um, so to force them to do that, it reconciles them to being you know, penniless potentially. So, but others, it's just, uh, I think for a larger set, it's, it's um, culturally, we've been taught to um, be afraid to self-custody. And we need to teach people to have the bravery to do that. But that's going to take, this is something that you would have been taught throughout your entire life. And it's going to take time to unlearn that, to to, to crack through that veil. Um, and some people at a certain advanced age may just may not want to anymore. But but the people who do want to, it still takes time to get to the point where you're comfortable with moving large amounts of money and uh, taking full responsibility for your money. Um, but in that interim period, we see this sort of influx of regulation coming in uh, and ever increasing, we're seeing the return to the battle days of 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 um, exchanges um, and trusted third parties, trusted in quotes third parties, taking advantage of that trust. And you know, we at 30, um and the people working on the 30 Mint protocol don't believe we can wait for for that period for everybody to not feel the fear of self custody. And we have to make the process of getting off exchanges our highest priority.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um and with the so the multi-guardians in a multi-sig, you're basically saying that collusion is necessary to gamify or to game that that system. Yeah. That gives you a lot more resistance to these internal debacles versus the the single guy running a an exchange in a far-off land as you described. Uh that makes a lot of sense. And I guess the game theory too there is then preserving. Fediment as a full reserve bank. Is that correct? So it's much, there has to be some form of, uh, I guess, defection in this this game theoretic. I don't know if you call it a shelling point or what, but basically wherever all the guardians are operating in their own self-interest, someone needs to defect from that to make this thing become a fractional reserve bank. Is that correct?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, as I said, in the example of seven of uh, five of seven, um, one person decides to it's a bad actor. Um, they they would um, one risk proof of punishment, they're, they're within the community context. An obvious form of non-violent punishment is just ostracized from the community, for example. Um their their machine, their fediment server, they would then have to take the Fediman server software, and patch it, modify it, reinstall. It would then start to operate in a manner which is um, not compatible with the rest of the, the system, um, i.e. not signing transactions that others wish to sign, etc. Um, that would then be picked up by the other Guardian's servers and it would, it would be kicked off, it would be ignored, for the purposes of of transactions until it went back in line um, so the users of the system wouldn't notice it other than potentially their their um their mobile wallets just like you have lightning wallets and bitcoin wallets their fediment wallets that connect up to the fediment network um, would be aware that one of the seven guardians is no longer responding it's no longer forming part of the federation, so. They could alert the user saying, you know, you can imagine a green, amber, red sort of scenario. So it's green when all seven are are working in lockstep. It goes to amber when it goes down to six, for example, um, and then if one more did the same thing, it could go down to it could go down to red, saying this is you've got five of seven guardians on, and that could be it. Won't know whether it's not operating in line with the others as a bad actor or if it's just offline because it's being restarted. That it might sort of temporarily you might see someone restart the machine and for a few minutes it goes from green to amber and then back. But you could also imagine um code in future versions that people have discussed where if the number or if it goes down to amber and it stays there for a certain period of time or goes down to red, you automatically create a lightning transaction which sends all your money to another federation. because just like the user experience of using the app is very similar to, the user experience of something like a, of well, at least with the Feddy app, each 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 um, Feddy Mint aware wallet will implement their user experience differently. Um, we're not the only Feddy doesn't make the only um, Feddy Mint wallet. Uh, there are there are at least two others I'm aware of, and we expect just like there are multiple Lightning wallets, there'll be multiple Feddy Mint wallets because it's an open source protocol. Um, but with our ones, the experience is very much like. Uh, um Slack. So you can be a part of or Discord, multiple Slacks, you can be part of multiple fediments. And you can imagine a family fediment where you might store more money and a, and a close friends fediment, but also your work fediment. Instead of paying your employees um, and everybody has to figure out their own federation, you could you could do that. Some um, Bitcoin exchanges in, in Africa are considering creating fediments with in conjunction where they have one of they're running one of the they're one of the guardians, but then a consortium of other respected institutions within the community are the other guardians. And so this becomes an, an inexpensive way of allowing their uh, customers to self-custody without telling them to buy um, hardware wallets, et cetera, which could be relatively expensive for their target customers. Um, and then we, then if you go to a larger level, we're seeing potentially the idea of cities or small towns setting up filaments, or even um, groups, um, for example, charities and human rights, um, um, defender groups and NGOs and activist groups who are supporting um, whole movements. Again, uh, they, these people have had a history of not taking money from their customers, from their, from their users, but actually working hard and, and risking their lives To generate money and give money to large members of the society they're trying to help so if they're actively giving their money and donating and raising and and spending they're unlikely to want to steal the money that they themselves donated for example so you you can you can see groups that are as much as hundreds of thousands of people at the large scale or maybe even greater because again there's no way to actually know how many people as members of the federation all the way down to groups of a group of friends who are highly technical Bitcoiners who all want to maintain, they trust each other to hold their backups of their keys. And they might just determine, why don't we just create a federation of of the five of us where each of us effectively is having each other's back. And we don't invite anyone external other than mate, but they'll, you'll, you'll probably find it will start to expand slowly because when they become the Uncle Jims of their family and, and say, so, well, you might as well just join our federation as this. So and you might as well just join. And there will be no way for any of the other guardians to not anyway. Um, but the, the the so it could be the smallest four people effectively only guardians and being the users for each other and um effectively the other three are the, the 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 backups for for them each other. They're having each other's back all the way up to hundreds of thousands of people run by activist groups or NGOs and so on and everything in between.
0: It's really fascinating, the idea of these little communities just organically growing and becoming uh, Bitcoin unions of some kind. I don't know, it's, it's interesting to think about it that way. And then, so I guess the, the punchline there is there are significant barriers to gaming the system, you know, technical barriers, game theoretic, communal, um, So you're just creating a a model of Bitcoin custody, privacy and payments that's more human friendly, ultimately. Um,
1: Very interesting. Can we talk a little bit about the vision? So ultimately um, this federated and community-based approach to custody has a number of really powerful elements. It is built on this foundation of privacy. Um, and because of the way it's structured, in most reasonable jurisdictions, um, no, it's exempt from regulation. fedimin uh, federation, once the federation is set up, um, and setting up a federation can take as little as five to 10 minutes, but once it's set up for a normal user, the onboarding experience is the same as the experience of sharing your contact details with a QR code on something like WhatsApp or Telegram. I.e. it literally takes seconds. In fact, um, uh, when our first version, um, the first live, tra- live transactions, the buying the cup of coffee, um, we did in Hackers Congress this year because uh, we sponsored it because a year before was where myself and my co-founders first met. Um, and it was like uh, in honor of the location we decided to sponsor it. Um, when we were first testing, the sign up process was so quick. Um, people thought that there was a bug in the code because they would scan the QR code and see a zero. Um, and they thought there was a problem. And the zero was the zero balance because you just lo- logged in. And they didn't realize they had logged in because it was so fast. So the, the feedback was we have to slow down the sign-in process because it's just too fast. Um, but the point here is that you instantly have a community. You instantly can sign in. what well, you can sign in in seconds. Um, transactions within the federation are, uh, because guardians are running it for the community, so not, they're not earning money from it. Transactions within the federation are free. Um, you have the ability to roll out to thousands of people, a community at a time, not a person at a time, but a community at a time. And let's just say a community is... A thousand, ten thousand people. Uh, We have numbers for this um, based on a a call that we made to community leaders on September the first of 2022, which was, and we asked community leaders to to fill in actually quite a quite a lengthy um, um, form explaining why we should work with them as to beta test the software, to beta test, not to roll out the software, to beta test it. We were looking for one to free people, but uh, um, co- communities and community leaders. After um, six weeks, we, we had um, several dozen, I think it was about 60, 65 committees representing a, a, nearly a million people. It was about 800 instances to submit. Um, and so that shows you the power of talking to people and rolling out the community at a time. But then you have to understand that, um, the other experience was that hackers.
0: Sorry, I, it's, there was a little bit of latency and it cut off right. When you were saying about a million people, maybe 10 seconds ago.
1: Okay, So it's about a million people. So in fact, the number was 860, 60 something thousands, um, and these were people who weren't just um, clicking a box to say they're interested. They were filling in a multi-page form and advocata- advocating for why they should be included in the beta testing program. So one of the most powerful things about um, Feddy is, and fede is its ability, or ability to sign up people at mm. rapid scale. So we can have global scale rapidly. And, and the reason... For that again is the community context. So to give you two examples of why, first of all, we on our site it's September the 1st we uh, um, put out a call to community leaders for to hyper bitcoinize their communities. Um now this wasn't just a ticking-the-box exercise, say I'm interested. People had to fit in a multi-part form to advocate um for why they should be included. And we wanted one to three communities to apply um, uh, to, to roll out our beta test of the product, which will come out in early 2023. Uh, and after six weeks, by the middle of October, we had several dozen communities. I think it was about 60 to 65. Um, and they were, the communities, when we totaled them up, um, totaled nearly a million people. It was like. 800 north of 860,000 people, um, and that's in six weeks. And and people continue to apply, um, um, still. And so that shows you the power and the speed at which you can bring on on board people if you are um, looking to roll out a community at a time, as opposed to imagine trying to go off and individually onboard each one of those 80, 60,000 people. So that's the first aspect, the community focus of rollout. But then the second aspect is because the um, app is so simple to sign up and use. In fact, it's so simple that as I said before, um, some users initially didn't even realize they signed up. It was that quick and you don't have to go through all the overhead and friction that's related to deep running a regulated service. Um, we're able to over- onboard people incredibly quickly. So again, um in hackers congress in prague 2022 um, we were sponsors of that event because as an homage to where we first met the year before in 2021 in Hackers congress the founders of the company um, and we created the first fediment temporary fediment network there and people who came to the event could um sign up, download Fedi, not the Feddy app. It was, it was a competing app, but we we actually um, helped support the competing app because we want as much competition of apps as possible in this space it it, it it drives us harder and we have to prove our work even more. And that's how you should compete not by not by creating uh, various entry, just by being the best. Um, but uh, it was an alternative app. Um, in fact, it was called Fluttermint. Um, and people would download the FlutterMint app and we would credit them over the Lightning Network with a certain amount of um, stats, so they can buy the proverbial cup of coffee or or beer if they were so inclined. Um, Now in that event, we had a good few hundred people come along to Hackers um, Congress and people online because there was a website related to the failure as well. So, anybody who was online and saw the website, which we advertised on Twitter, could scan the QR code on the website and join the Federation. Now, here's the thing we have no idea how many people joined the Federation because it's perfectly private. There's no way for us to know. But we do know that we do know at least how many people in the events that came into uh, the room that we had for the Feddy Mint and Feddy service. And so, we could see that we could have very easily signed up, even manually just getting people to scan the QR code. You could have got hundreds of people to sign up in a matter of hours. You could imagine getting, because it's again, decentralized because each person who downloads the app can then just like you share your contact details on Telegram or WhatsApp can share with someone else. You share it with 10 people. They can then go off and share it each with 10 people and they can go and share each with 10 people, and they can share each with 10 people. Three or four of those um, shares with 10 people uh, along the line, and you've got 100,000 and a million users. And the overhead to do that for the Guardians would be negligible to zero. And in fact, there's ways of doing that where you can join potentially. That's not how it's currently designed, but the overhead is minimal. So, it, it, But you can make it so that you can join without even initially having to make any contact with the guardian. So there would be no bottleneck in your speed of being able to sign up. It's just as quickly as some you, someone can get their friends to scan a QR code. Um, and if you look at um, social, look at apps that have the fastest rate of growth, they tend to be social apps that work in a community context with a very, very short sign up time. And that's what we have done with money, with, with Feddy and Fediment. It's naturally community-oriented, so you, you have a network of people to share it with. And the sign-up process is incredibly quick. You do not need to enter your KYC details. You do not even need to enter your um, email address or phone number. You just need to download the app, scan a QR code, and you're done. And because of those two things, the speed at which you can roll out within a community and the focus on rolling out a community at a time, because it, it naturally gets its superpowers from being within a community, mean that um, we are able to roll out incredible scale. So because we can do this, coming back to your question, and it's just a long segue, but it's really important. It leads us to this vision. We, and we state this on our site, we aim at global Bitcoin adoption. And we want to do that at rapid speed. In fact, our stated objective is to have a billion users using Bitcoin in the next couple of years. And that's very achievable because of the fact the sign-up process takes seconds and it's it's by its very nature communal and viral. That is amazing.
0: Very cool, very cool what it, I mean the actual functionality right you're actually kind of again as you said earlier on we're complementing the Bitcoin open source stack right you're, we're addressing the weak spots of Bitcoin basically through this the federated model um and then also aiming at very rapid large scale rollout that's something to be excited about for sure um
1: yeah Obi man, there is um love these conversations I, 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 I would. I wanted to say something on that because you, you, there was a question you asked tonight and it relates to this, um, which was around privacy. And you talked about uh, one country, one city and another. Um, and this was actually something that um, uh, every time I get involved in talking to people about this, I discover new things. And this, some of the discoveries came from conversations with, for example, Rene Picard. Um, where we talked about um, the scaling of the Lightning Network and later on with people, uh, um, other other members of the community working directly on the Lightning Network. And what we realized is that to, um, Lightning obviously has provides a massive level of scaling over, um, over Bitcoin and a, and a significant improvement in privacy. But there are still shortcomings in privacy, which are being worked on. And there are still limitations on scaling um it turns out that this vision of the world that, that we are working on um um for this mass rollout of federations so each federation is federated but we expect in the fullness of time hundreds of thousands or if not millions of federations so that's actually a decentralized network of federated um federated chami and mints um connected to each other, obviously by the Bitcoin Mainnet, but also via the Lightning Network. That actually leads to a scenario which allows usage of the Lightning Network to scale. It also has the potential to make um, using the Lightning Network, being a Lightning node on the Lightning Network far more lucrative. And finally, it provides um, higher, much, much higher levels of privacy for users of the Lightning Network and the main chain. So to the example of in the example of privacy specifically, within a federation, let's say that federation is Las Vegas. Within that federation, you have perfect privacy. If there is another federation, say Reno, within that federation, you have perfect privacy. Now let's say between Reno and, and Las Vegas, there's a road that connects them, massive Lightning Network, um, a main channel. And then there's another road um, that comes off that road to a private mansion, um, you know, the Breedlove mansion. All right. And that's that's effectively self-custody with your own um, Lightning, self-sovereign um, Bitcoin node and Lightning node, and you're handling your, all your channel rebalancing. And just like your own private road and your own private mansion, you're going to the overhead to manage that compared to the overhead to manage an apartment in a, an apartment block in a city is going to be much higher. But if you are capable of doing that and you're capable of guarding yourself and managing yourself, you should do it. It's, it's, it's definitely the best. It's, uh, so, but even though Lightning has a far higher privacy um, guarantees than using the main network, there is still some leakage of information. So, imagine you had an eavesdropper monitoring traffic on these roads, this, the Lightning Network. If you were to send a payment from uh, Breedlove Mansion to Las Vegas, um, that would be the equivalent of a car or a messenger um, um, going from the Breedlove Mansion to Las Vegas. Um, let's say there was another mansion called Obi Mansion and that again was fully self with its own Lightning Node if you were going to send a car from Breed Mansion to Obi Mansion, someone snooping in the network will realize that a car has gone from Breed Mansion to Obi Mansion. Yeah. Now, if on the other hand you were sending that to Las Vegas to someone, I have a pied de terre in an apartment in Las Vegas, someone eavesdropping the network will know that someone in someone that that Someone from Breedlove Mansion, i.e. Breedlove, has sent a car to someone in Las Vegas. They just won't know who that someone is. And then, um, if I, you have a pied a an apartment in Reno, and I have a, an apartment in Las Vegas, as well as my our own mansions, then if I was to send a car from my apartment to yours, someone eavesdropping the Lightning Network will know that someone but they don't know who, but someone in Las Vegas has sent um, a car to someone in Reno. And that's all they will know. And so um, even if you're self-sovereign, it will make sense that if you're gonna do your daily spending, you don't, you don't do it from Breed Love Mansion. You send you know the money you need for the day and you go to town in, in Las Vegas and then as the saying goes, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's the same for this. Even the, even the governor or whatever it is, I'm not sure about the structures in the in U.S. Uh, and governmental system. but the governor of Las Vegas, pardon me if I'm wrong, the senator of Las Vegas or whatever it is, um, um, manage or the, the board or committee who manage Las Vegas have also, because of Chami and Mint's um, e protocol, have no idea who is doing what in Las Vegas as well um it still makes sense to do to do your daily driving from there i the interactions you want to happen happen in las vegas if they stay in las vegas then it's completely private and even if they go out of las vegas someone monitoring the network will only know that someone within las vegas performed that transaction so it provides um much much better privacy hmm. for um an increased simpler user experience um, compared to um, you making all your payments directly from your Lightning wallet. So you'll store 95 or 99.9% of your value there. But when you want to spend, send it to your Fedimint wallet and and spend from there. Worst case, if you were to lose that, you, it's the same as losing your purse out, 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 out on an evening. So right. it gives you much better privacy guarantees. That's
0: super cool. That, yeah, the higher... Guarantee you get on privacy just by interfacing with these other, I guess other anonymity sets, right? Just participating in the federated model. That's super Yeah, we
1: like to call them privacy sets, but yeah.
0: Privacy sets, got it. Um, Obi Man, awesome conversation. Uh, there's a few more points here I think we could go through, uh, which I guess we'll have to save for next time. In the meantime, mm-hmm. could you please, I think we did this last time, but just in case my audience didn't hear, could you please let my audience know where they can find out more about you or your work?
1: So thanks. Um there's to find out more about me, you can um, as usual find me on Twitter. So I'm simply at OBI at OB on Twitter. Um but also to find out more about FEDI, um, the company, um, it's fedi.xyz, and then the protocol, the Feddy Mint protocol that that powers FEDI, Feddy Mint, F E D I M I N T dot org. Those are the best places to find out about me and about us.
0: Fantastic. We'll include that in the show notes and I will see you again here next time. Thanks very much.